One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In my 27 years as a Victorian policewoman, I investigated everything from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. Policing taught me a lot about human nature, which I explore in my podcasts with a variety of fascinating guests discussing the human side and impact of crime, not only on their lives, but mine as well. My podcasts are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. If you find yourself affected by my subject matter, please contact Lifeline or any other support, service or person that you feel comfortable with. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs and not everyone will agree with them. I understand that and I hope you do too. Thank you was a really pivotal moment because what I realised, which I didn't realise beforehand, was that that sort of 15 or however many years of policing I was at at that stage wasn't actually for nothing. I, I was able to get into a university degree and actually get credits. So all of a sudden I was like, well, it wasn't a complete waste of those years. Today is part two of my interview with Dave Evans. And just to recap, Dave was a member of Victoria Police for 23 years until he was ill health retired due to being diagnosed with what Dave refers to uh, say is a psychological injury. Dave began to feel the weight of encouraging a victim to report a traumatic offence when they were hesitant or didn't feel they could do it and then witnessed their distress with how the justice system failed them. The impact of this continual burden took its toll on Dave as he knew it was his encouragement which had initially given the victim the courage to navigate the judicial process and for it to too often break the victim. But it broke Dave too. The justice system needs to support, understand and consider the victims and witnesses more regarding their emotional well-being. And let's not ever forget the police who, like Dave, are the conduit between all these parties. So this week, Dave shares with us the moment that he realised it was him who had the problem, not everybody else as he thought, and how one woman's desperation to help him, and which he initially took as interference in his life, actually saved it. Dave tells us of the anguish, almost torture, that he encountered in organising for a petrified interstate witness to come to Melbourne to give evidence and the anger that he felt at how she was treated by the system to the point he went home that night and advised his superiors it was his last shift. He'd had enough. But then he was managed so well by his superiors during this time that he was able to return to work, but it certainly wasn't smooth sailing. One day, 30 minutes into his first shift at a new station, the phone began to ring and he watched the phone and realised he was just finished for good. He just couldn't answer it. He froze. This time he really was done. But We've often heard the saying, haven't we, about where one door closes, another opens, and open it did for Dave. Dave has now has many strings to his bow, one of which has been to start up a group with his mate Cleve called TJF, The Journey Forward. What a great initiative. Have a listen and hear more about this wonderful idea, which is helping others see life more positively. 
Anyway, have uh, a great week and we'll talk next week. Thanks. See ya. And so we are talking about your decline now. Yeah. How long into your career did you start thinking there's something wrong here? Um, I think that looking back on it, I remember before I even went to Socket um, and I was – I was sort of, you know, encouraged by some senior members to to look at becoming a detective. I remember having the conversation around, look, things are not great at home um, and I don't know if it's the right time for me. And I certainly just thought that, you know, my family were being difficult um, at that time. That's what I thought. They're not supporting my career and um, they're making my life very difficult and they're out of step. With me, um, so I certainly think, in hindsight, that that's that was the beginning of it. And I recall during that time, maybe just before or just after I started Socket, I remember we. It's a, it's a, I don't know. At the time, it wasn't. It was a, it was a problem, but in hindsight, it was a, it was a life saving event in or a marriage saving and probably arguably mm-hmm. life saving. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I've come home one day and there was a, an article on the bench. About, um, I think it was it was called something like post traumatic stress disorder in police or something like that. It was out of the age or, and I remember I come in and I saw it, and I said to my wife, her name's Paulette. I said to Paulette, I go, what is this? And she kind of looked at me. Obviously, the way I asked the question was pretty evident. There was going to be a, con- a conversation had, yeah. Um, yeah. and she said, look, a friend and. Um, a really good friend of ours sent it in the mail because she thought okay. that Paulette needed to to read it. Mm. And um, hang on a second. Take your time. That's all right. I I completely get that because we. Oh, you're going to make me cry now. <laughs> um, but we we see um, it as everyone else's problem and not our own. Yeah. And, and it's a very it's a very lonely place to be yeah uh, that you feel like you're the only one in the world yeah that um oh it's it's terrible but yeah so Are and i'll okay? keep going so now this article's there and we had this really heated conversation about i told paulette that her that her because she wasn't my friend at that moment in time she decided decided she was now just paulette's friend <laughs> um <laughs> and i said she needs to mind her business and she can get stuffed yeah. and all the rest of it oh, and um yeah and I was furious. And anyway, yeah. um, uh, and that, you know, even then I still just thought she was being ridiculous and how dare she interfere in our marriage and yeah. blame me for, yep. Yep. you know, and all this sort of stuff. And But um, I guess as time progressed and I, I recall we're, we're great friends and, I, you know, I really value her mm-hmm. friendship. Um, because she had, because she yeah. had the... Oh, what would you call it? But she was brave. Yeah, she, she was, actually called, yeah. called it out to yep. say, "I'm worried about Dave." Yep. I think this is a problem. Yeah, and that yeah. wouldn't be easy. And no. and I understand you saying it's none of her business. Uh, yeah. Who does she think she is? Yeah. But I think that's a fairly common reaction when you feel like you've been almost caught out. Yeah. That you think yep. you know what. They are spot. And when you go away and think about it, yeah, don't you? You think, my God, yeah, <laughs> she's right. <laughs> yeah, she was spot yeah. on, absolutely spot on. And so I know yeah. that I recall. Then I it was a little while later, but when sort of it all, you know, became apparent that mm. actually it's not well, um, and and I started to sort of uh, get onto that journey of recovery. I um mm. I remember speaking to her and I said, look, I owe you the biggest apology of all time <laughs> for, oh, yeah. for something that you don't even yeah. know. I probably said. And, um, and, you know, she was, she was very gracious in her, her response. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, we, we still talk about it to, ta- to, to, you know, to today and, um, when we catch up. And, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, in, in reality, I'm, I'm really grateful for that oh, happening. Oh, yes. Um, not so only am I, f- to whoever yeah. Paulette's friend is. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Not only yeah. For, for, for what it eventually supported me to, to do, and that is to look at myself and, Think about sorting my shit out, but but more so to give uh, you know Paulette and my my daughters some some validation that it's not them; it's actually mm. where I'm at. Mm. Um, yeah, 
and and I think mm. given the circumstances of our relationship at that time, they they probably not only needed it but they really deserved it. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was it was uh, a, so that was that was really that happened before I even knew and um, and look, I, I think that the the reality was I didn't know and even on the the day that I went off work, um, I still didn't know. I sort of think that I'd found a reason to go off uh, to someone yeah. to be angry at um, yeah. Yeah. and and that was um, that, that particular incident related to a court a court matter and um, and I'll, I'll just make it really quick because we've been talking for quite a while um, but it was basically a court hearing didn't go ahead and it, it wasn't actually my matter it was someone else's matter but I was stepping in because they were off and um, and the uh, the prosecutor had come out to me and said, "We can't get a we can't get a judge." Um, this was like four days after the you know the, the supposed trial date start start date, and um, you know the victim survivor was just terrified. They'd moved into state. Um, oh, they were coming back. Yeah. They were in some pretty dodgy sort of motel that they'd been put up in, and you know going mm-hmm. to collect them every morning and bring them in, and then taking them back. And they were literally not leaving mm-hmm. because the yeah. the um, the perpetrator was um, on bail and um, so now this, this day come around and they go, we're not going to get a judge so you're just going to have to tell your victim to head home and come back in six months. And I said, are you serious? Like have you got any idea how this this is impacting her and um, I don't know whether she'll come back sort of thing. I don't know if she's capable of it because she's exhausted and um, and they sort of said, well, she just has to because that's the way it is. And um, I said, well, what do I say? Like, <laughs> what do I say to her? And, and the, the words from the prosecutor were, well, it's up to you what you say, but at the end of the day, she's not our priority because there's people who are, uh, in cust- who are on remand. And I just remember, uh, firstly, I got really angry and um, mm-hmm. the first thing that came into my mind was violence, to be honest. Um, but it was like my head exploded, and I just could well, not. I can relate to that. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah. I just, I, I just left that day, and and I went and you know did my best to um, support the the person who this lady who was now heading back into state, um, and got all that done. And then I went home, and I just uh, rang my boss and said, "I'm just going to let you know that I'm not coming back." And he was like, "Oh, what's what's happening?" sort of thing. And I said, oh, "I'm just not coming back. I'm not doing it anymore." And he went, "Oh, do you want to need some time off? We can. What do you want to call it? Do you want to have some uh, leave or some long service leave?" I said, oh, "I said I don't give it a toss. I said a different word. I don't give a toss what you call it. I'm just not coming back." And and that boss um, just managed the situation. I think as well as anyone could manage it. And, and look, I, I guess that's one of the things that I'm, once again, I'm fortunate that the managers I've had along the way have been brilliant. And he and my, my direct, my sergeant, um, they were both absolutely fantastic. They gave me the space I needed. They gave me the time I needed. There was no questions, expectations. It was genuine support mm. and interest in and my care. well-being. And care. And yep. care. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And, and I think at that time oh, look I shouldn't say at that time everyone along the way since I went off has with, with the exception of a couple that I feel and yeah. and I think that we'll talk about that later but I think that relates to other matters in regards to this policy and procedure stuff so I think they're decisions that perhaps but they weren't helpful for me and my my return to work um, my self-esteem or my recovery so um, but yeah they were brilliant and uh, you know, it's again I'll, something that I'll be forever grateful for the way they supported me, and um, and and we're really genuine about it. You know, and I know that unfortunately not everybody gets the support that I've had, or they certainly don't feel that they are getting the support. Um, but but I feel very fortunate um, to have had the people involved in my injury recovery and. Uh, re- return to work that I did have and mm-hmm. and then uh, exit from the job 
have been absolutely fantastic. Um, so, so you were able to return to work for how long before you just thought? Uh, yeah, so I, I went off. When almost I was at, flogging a dead horse. Yeah, I, yeah, literally it was that, absolutely. It was kind of this desperation to try and get back. So I went off yeah. in 2015 when I was at Socket and then I decided to try and do a return to work at the CI down south and I lasted that, that day. I, I probably lasted about half an hour till the phone rang. Um, You're kidding me. And I didn't answer the phone. I just looked at the phone with like absolute terror and I didn't answer it and all I could think of was the phone rang for ages and ages and then someone finally answered it and all I could think of was those those detectives must be looking at me going, what is wrong with that man? Um, So then I stayed there. I, I sat the day out. But then I went and saw the boss later in the day and said, oh, I can't do this. I'm so far away from being able to do this. And so wow. then I went off for a while longer and then um, – and I had a, an amazing um, uh, return to work or injury management consultant. She she was yeah. just oh, just so good. Like I could not mm. think of a, a, a better life-saver. person. A <laughs> lifesaver. A lifesaver. There's no doubt that she um, – yeah. So yeah. then she supported me. Um, you know, through the process of trying to return again. Um, and so then I went, I, what I ended up doing is I did a return to work at the proactive unit, uh, youth, you know, youth resource officer role. Mm. Um, mm. And that seemed okay. Uh, I sort of went back, you know, a couple of days a week and, and slowly built it up and then eventually got back to being full-time again and then went through, juggled the, you know, went through the, with the support of my return to work persons, managed to get a position uh, when one became available um, at the office and, and I relinquished my, my detective's role um, simply because I, I saw that as the only option to try and get back. I knew that my days of investigation were gone and I thought maybe I can, you know, work with people more proactively and it might be more, I don't know, fulfilling and something I can achieve. So I did that for a short time. And then, uh, and I guess in some ways, the role, the role itself as at the proactive unit, it probably evolved a little bit in the time I was there and became almost a little bit more, um, oh, we'll call it reactively proactive. Um, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I just, what I sort of realized is it doesn't matter what position you go into, uh, the day that you, the moment that you step into a police station, and you put on your uniform and your equipment, you're a policeman and you will do and, and the And anything role, can happen. And anything can happen and you're required to deal yep. with it. And so yep. anyway, so then I, 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 um, I was, there was a particular night I had been asked to go down and do some stuff further south at another station and I was on my way there to, to do it and just remember listening to the radio and um, there was lots happening um, on the radio and the police just, radio that is yeah, yeah on the police I oh, yeah, on the police radio yep and I just recall just all I did was just drive straight past the police station did a U-turn yep. drove back yeah pulled over like I was completely You're beside done. myself and I was done I rang I rang police yep. well-being and what happened is what was interesting is I was on the phone to police well-being and the sergeant who had requested me to come over he'd pulled up alongside me and he goes are you from the other station. I go, yeah. He goes, well, what are you doing? And he was oblivious and obviously just wanted, you know, someone out on the road and was, I was really, uh, oh, look, I was, I was probably rude to him Mm. and, um, you were just spent. Yeah, I was Mm. done. And, uh, and it it would have been confusing. And we kind of had a conversation that wasn't really great given this, probably the position I was in, but, um, but he was just doing the best that he could and had no knowledge of me. He'd never met me before. He didn't know my history. Yeah. Um, yeah. And But, to you know, I, I thought that he handled the situation very well after he had a moment to obviously reflect on what had happened. And, you know, because I sort of went, you know, and we kind of parted ways and I said, I'm done, I'm going back to the office and knocking off, which, I mean, in itself, if you're a supervisor, you're going, whoa, what's that all about? Um, <laughs> yeah. And right. the, but obviously, as he's had a moment to think about it, he's obviously mm. gone, whoa, that guy's no mm. good. So then he obviously yeah. made a heap of phone calls and um, and things were – and look, and it was really uh, well done. I think that 
there was people, mm-hmm. someone rang me immediately and someone met me at the mm-hmm. station and it was really well coordinated and I thought he did a fantastic job, even though our initial mm-hmm. conversation wasn't great. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. But he would have been caught so heavily off guard. Um, so then, anyway, that was it. I finished then and then I never returned. Um, uh, and then I was, yeah, so then eventually I... Look, and I must say, I kind of recall the like even the police medical officer. She was brilliant. Like um, I, I remember, I went and saw her one of the sort of towards the end, I guess. And I said, I went into her office one day and I said, "I'm done." I said, "I'm just pulling the pin. I'm quitting. Yeah. I'm finished." Yeah. And I remember her words were, "Do not quit," or "Do not." She said, "Do not resign. This is not the answer for you." We need to support you through this process, and you know we had a really good conversation, and um, and I was once again I was really fortunate that she um, she was guided there for me. you. You needed yeah you you needed some guidance, and she gave it to yeah, you. Yeah, and she was terrific, and you know she she didn't I, I wouldn't say that she advised me, um, but mm. she really helped me to consider my options and see the pros and cons, and um, uh. You know, to really think about my decision-making processes in a way that was more objective as opposed to I'm just done and the whole thing can get stuffed and I've just got to get away from it all, which, yeah. I mean, I know that I've got people that I've spoken to who are some of, you know, some friends who, who've done that along the way and it hasn't it hasn't probably been in hindsight for them the best decision they could have made and yeah. fortunately, yeah. Um, you know, people, it seemed that the right people, in my, for me, the right people just came along at the right time that supported me to make decisions that allowed me to exit the job um, in the most um, dignified, maybe? yeah, dignified, dignified way, and yeah, mm. yeah, probably mm. that's a good word. Is the most dignified way that I could. Um, so, so yeah, that was probably that's how it all happened. So it was really, you know, from about two thousand and fifteen until I've actually finally finished at the end of 2021. That was that was uh, probably the period of, of what I would say was just really a living hell for not more than me. It was a living hell for my family. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's probably the guts of it. Mm. Dave, um, and we might say here too that um, – it is so important, like for Paulette and the family, it wouldn't have been easy for them. And and we obviously don't mean to put them through what they've been through, but it says a lot about Paulette, the fact that she has uh, stuck with you. She's had the hard conversations, you know, with that um, PTSD article, yeah. uh, you know, God love her, because uh, there's a lot of people that would just you know, this is too hard and I don't blame them, mind you, but it just shows um, obviously the love that um, you both share. You're very, you're very fortunate. What I, what I wanted to touch on was, you know, when you've, and obviously leaving policing, a bit like me, you feel you've got no skills, you've got nothing to give, um, I'm, you know, useless, uh, all those sort of self-doubt sort of things, but you actually, You've shown so many people that it's not the end of the world, as I keep saying. It's the end of that world that you knew, but it's the start of a whole new world. And you then got into psychology and social work and and look at you. You you would never, ever have assumed all those, you know, like in saying 21 when you're just at the – or just prior to that when you're at the the bottom, you know, you feel like you've got nothing. And then – Look what's happened. How did you get into yeah. so- what? What was all that about? Well, I think the first thing is that the the, the those experience, those feelings that you described, useless, no hope, future's over, all the rest of those things. I've I certainly experienced every one of those. You know, I can sort of recall sitting on oh, the floor yeah. in an empty unit when I'd on one of the the, the occasions I'd moved out. Um, and with a you know, with a slab of beer, just thinking, crying, and thinking, that's it, I'm done, and my life is completely over. And and not necessarily, I, I certainly didn't feel like when I say I'm done, it wasn't a, a suicidal done. It was no, just like no, my life is, is yep. a debacle, and I'm done yeah. with, with it. What all. a mess! Yeah, what, what a, a mess, mess I've yeah, made. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I certainly was there, and um, looking, I, 
I kind of was seeing a psychologist. Um, oh, look, I was probably seeing that psychologist weekly. If I saw her 50 times, that wouldn't be an exaggeration. Uh, in fact, I'm probably being conservative. <laughs> um, and, but she was um, an, a really experienced psychologist. She she was, I think when she finally did finish with me, she was 80. Um, Aww, uh, yeah. And she, her, her, her husband um, had, had been a, um, a war veteran and had experienced his own traumas and she'd sort of done some training with, um, with the defence in that, that area and she was, she was fantastic. Um, mm. We didn't really, it was interesting because we didn't really do a lot of talking about particular incidents but we did focus a lot on, um, on the future and where I was at today as opposed to going over the old stuff. But she, in mm. one of our conversations, you know, well, well into the, to the, you know, a long, long way down the track, she sort of said to me, why don't you consider studying? You, you have quite a bit of um, insight um, and, you know, you should look at it as an option and maybe you should do psychology. And I was like, hmm. Just hearing it was like, oh, that's pretty nice. That's a nice who, thing to hear. Who, who uh, me? doesn't think I'm a complete burnt out waste of time. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess that was the, the seed. And mm, um, yeah. so then I kind of went, oh, I might, have, I might explore that because I'd, I'd been doing a bit of reading. I was quite interested because I sort of felt like I needed to work myself out and I needed to work out what this, this term that I'd been labelled with um, was actually what it really meant. Um, so I, I contacted, uh, the uni and said, you know, I'm thinking about doing this course and I'm thinking really it's, it's a, a three year degree. I'm thinking, and I'm going to do it part time. It's going to take me six. I'm thinking I'm going to be, I'm going to be ready to retire before I even get there. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I rang, I spoke to them and, and they said, oh, I, I told them my experience and what I've done. And they said, send through your, um, you know, your, your certificates from the police and, they wrote down a heap of stuff and then they called me back and they went, look, we can give you 12 credits, um, basically all the electives wow. for psychology and you just have to do the core 12 core subjects. And I was like, wow, that's fantastic. And mm-hmm. it was like once again, it was a really uh, pivotal moment because what I realised, which I didn't realise beforehand, was that that sort of 15 or however many years of policing I was at at that stage wasn't actually for nothing. I, I was able to get into a university degree and actually get credits for half a course. Um, so all of a sudden I was like, well, it wasn't a complete waste of those years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so then from there I, I, I got into it and I, I did it. And, look, it was, it was really interesting. It was challenging because I wasn't particularly academic. Um, and if they kind of allowed eight hours, you know, if they sort of said, "Oh, this is probably take you about eight hours," I'd allow like eight days. But it was it was interesting because it talked about, I guess, human development, um, yeah. and uh, it allowed me to see how we we become what we become, and um, I guess when I was doing the topics and the research and the assignments, I kind of was looking at it. I was able to – I was looking at it and going, oh, that, I can see that sort of when I think about myself, but I was then looking at it more from the perspective of other people because you're, you're researching other people and that was the primary focus. So – and I got to the end of it and graduated and um, my results were good enough to do my honours year and I sort of had, had spoken <laughs> to the same uni about doing it and – Oh, sorry, Listen another uni, <laughs> another uni about doing the honours year, and yeah. but there was just something yeah. about it that didn't. I don't know. There was just something about it, psychology, that I was like, I don't know if it's for me. Even though I loved studying and doing all the stuff, which in itself was unbelievable, I enjoyed studying, but I, I couldn't. I, I think at the time I just felt a little bit like it was in the way the assignments were done. It was kind of like I was analysing people. Um. As yep. somebody who was perhaps had superior knowledge than them, um, and I didn't—I don't think that sat with me because it was kind of 
I'd sort of understand, you know, through that process of study, I'd come across that concept of power over people or power with. Yeah. And, at, yeah. and the, the study of psychology made me feel a little bit like power over. And I certainly was sick of power over being a policeman because that really resonated with my, my role as a copper. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want power over people. I can't do it. And you know, so I spoke to a couple of psychologists and they said, why don't you look at social work? And I go, social work? They're just, they're the most annoying people in the world. There is no way I'll deal with them or become one of them. And you and are I, one. Yeah, that was, and that was because I guess my experience was, you know, basically with people who are in um, child protection or DHS and oh. they're um, governed by, you know, statutory uh, legislation and they're part of that organisation. So, and uh, it was really a lack of knowledge basically of what they, what the role yep. was and what yep. the job entailed. So I had this really obnoxious, ignorant attitude towards them. And so I went, no, I'm not doing that. So I went and spoke to some counsellors who I'd sort of met along the way and they said, why don't you do social work? And I'm going, you guys got no idea. <laughs> and um, <laughs> But eventually I thought I'm going to check out this social work thing. And so I looked at it and, you know, learned a little bit about oh. it and read about it and I went, yeah. This is this this is it. This is me. This is me. Yeah. This is what I'm looking oh, for. And yeah. um and so then I I got into the uh the because the, I'd already done my degree I had to do a master's like a qualifying master's so it's not a, a research master's it's um uh, slightly different um but so I've I've got into that and look I think that that was the most uh significant couple of years of study in my recovery because a lot of every assignment we did had a component of self-reflection um and looking every decision that every aspect of every assignment ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Whatever the whatever the topic, um, you had the 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 first or a significant part of it was look at yourself, look inwards, look at your development, your history, your upbringing, your culture, your beliefs, all that sort of stuff, bef- as part of your your decision making, I guess argument or um, submission, and mm-hmm. that for me was was huge because that allowed me to. It sort of taught me how to reflect properly and 
Yep. Really, I didn't even know what the what the concept of reflection was, other than I would have gone, "Well, I think I made a good decision, so what's the problem?" You know. But to actually <laughs> learn how to reflect and and yeah, uh, discover yeah. yourself in a in a in a meaningful way, it's conf- it can be very confronting. Um, yeah, I bet it can. Go but off, it's extremely yeah. enlightening, and it it allowed me to see to understand, I guess the things that I've spoken about today in regards to why I became so unwell. Um, and, like, for example, there's a, a really good um, video done by it's, – it's, it's a thing called the Site Collective and Jess and Al uh, – one's a – Jess is a psychologist and Al's a psychiatrist and they have a video and it's uh, the, uh, like a damn wall effect in regards to PTSD and they, they talk about this this act of betrayal um, that is sort of the catalyst, often the catalyst for it, and it's it's worth having a look at if, if you haven't seen it. Um, but and I was talking to somebody about it, and um, and for me, and and I sort of mentioned it as a possibility to consider is we often look for the betrayal or consider the betrayal of something that somebody else has done to us in the job. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. what I realised is it was actually a betrayal of myself because of my actions and my behaviours mm. and the way I th- – my, my my beliefs around policing and, and my intent. Whilst it appeared good, my intent or my beliefs and true intentions were not necessarily uh, aligned with my values. Um, so, I, um, yeah, so that was kind of uh, something that I really got out of that social work study. It was that capacity to truly self-reflect and understand my values and see how that, um, like, you know, organisationally they have their their, their code of ethics and they have the self-test, but they they don't necessarily always align with your own values. And um, one of the things that I, I really think about a lot and, I think it's a huge, perhaps a huge gap um, in in the, uh, I guess that ethical assessment tool that they use in VicPol, the self test, um, and yes. it talks about uh, like for I think the first one is the scrutiny, and it talks yes. about the scrutiny of the public, the media, the organisation, mm-hmm. but it doesn't talk about the scrutiny of yourself. Like if you scrutinise yeah, right. your own decision making, mm. and 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 it's not always going to line up, but I think the key is to to understand that that is the case, and don't just go along following the the you know what you perceive as the appropriate way of doing policing, um, mm. in a, in accordance with their code of ethics, because. If you're doing it blindly, then you'll probably find that there's a higher higher risk of violating your own values. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're aware of your own and you understand that they may not always be perfectly aligned, but to be able to have that make that conscious choice or decision to go, all right, I'm going to step away from my own values in this case because of this reason, um, and. That's something that I certainly never did until after I've left and then to be able to reflect on it is like, yeah, I can see the problem there. And I probably could have done a lot better and perhaps avoided uh, the impact that it had on me if I had have been aware of that. So I think that that's something yeah. that perhaps could be a topic of conversation from, you know, from as early as in the academy um, mm-hmm. to explore yourself and understand yourself and be aware of your values and see how they they can work together, but how if they don't, to be aware of that and and and, to, and, and not to lose your individuality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. D- um, did did you find that during all your studies? Um, this is going to sound a bit wanky, but you're now a social worker, so you won't think it sounds wanky. <laughs> um, but did it make you um, be kinder to yourself with all these studies? Yeah, yeah, and, and I, once mm. again, I think it was understanding my values and understanding yeah, yeah. the the different factors that influence behaviour, um, and not just mine, but everybody's. And um, mm. 
there's a lot there's a you know there's some theories out there that uh, look it's hard because there's that much information and so many different theories and they all they all have sort of some depending on you know, once again your own your own um beliefs around how the world functions um they all resonate with people differently but they were really helpful in forming my belief systems a little bit stronger and being able to see that decisions I made um, are, are about the decisions and not about me as in it's sort of like doesn't make me a bad person. It means I may have made a decision that wasn't helpful or may have been unkind and then, and then to be able to explore and it's a little – look, it's probably – it's it's a slightly different way of thinking if you're out of the job, but if you're still in the job, it's still really relevant because if you're out of the job, you go right. Well, I don't need to, I don't need to comply or um, consider those organisational ethics anymore. So I can truly embrace my own and and live accordingly. But if you're in the job, you can. St- I think that it's not that y- you can't. Um, embrace the organisations, but I think it's about being aware of your own and trying to get them to to mesh. Yes, um, yeah, and it's trying it's, to meet in the middle. Yeah, yeah and yeah. There yeah. Might, there's always going to be a bit of give and take. And but I know for me, it was kind of towards the end when I started to become quite strong about my my decision making. What what I found was because there's so much policy around or procedure around um, jobs and the way we we carry out and investigate jobs um, that I was making this really black and white decision about, no, I'm not doing that because this is what I want to do. Um, and then so I had the choice to either do what was uh, uh, in accordance with the policy and procedure and then I would go home and feel terrible about who I was or I'd go, I'm going to do what I think's right but then go home and be worried about the consequences of not following that. So it was kind of because of that black and white thinking and not looking at, okay, how can I make these things get a little bit closer together and, and do it in a way that allows me to sleep easy and and feel relatively or good about myself still. Um, mm. and, and I think it was that aware, lack of awareness around the fact that that was happening that led me down the path of just going, well, that's what the job says, that's what everyone else does and that's what I'm doing or I'm not doing it. Um, so it was, yeah, I think it's about understanding that people come into the job with their own values and beliefs and they may not be exactly the same as the organisations but unfortunately I think if they're not discussed and identified and talked about then there's going to be a huge um, – the, the divide will become so big that it becomes insurmountable, so to speak. Mm. I, I must admit I think uh, in our training there's very, very little really about um, – um, uh, well, not really. There is very little about emotions and feelings and um, all that, all those subjects that you've um, studied that I think – for a group of people, as in police, that deal with so many different personalities, and I'm not talking about outside, I'm talking about within policing, yeah. all those different personalities, I, I think we need to learn more about ourselves before we start going out into that big wide world and, you know, trying to understand how other people feel like if we don't understand ourselves, how can we understand others? Um, I want to um, start winding up, but I don't want to wind up before you tell us about meeting Cleve and TJF. Oh, yeah, okay. So <laughs> um, I guess because of my experience with police wellbeing um, and the people who are supportive during my recovery and, you know, my my psychologist saying, "What well, don't you look at this as an option and ending up doing that study. One of the things that I really felt passionate about was, um, I guess, using my experience in a way that was useful to others um, or potentially might benefit some other people who are either in it or potentially might find themselves, you know, struggling. 
Um, and I didn't really know how I was going to do that. I, I sort of had some ideas about maybe, you know, working one-on-one and the idea of perhaps doing group stuff. And it was kind of just a bit of a pie-in-the-sky idea that I thought one day I'll get around to it. And um, anyway, I I was at a um, – I think look, I can't remember exactly, but I've, I've got to almost think it could have been at a funeral. Um, and I ran into Cleve and we worked together at Cranbourne. Um, when I very first graduated and hadn't seen or spoken to each other for years. And you know, we got chatting and telling him what I was doing and then he told me about his website that it's a uh, social media and, and website that he'd started uh, that was called uh, it was called Tango Juliet Foxtrot and the slow the you know the slogan of TJF. Um, and I was first a little bit taken back and I was like, whoa, that's full on. And um anyhow we talked about it and he sort of said, you know, I just want it to be – I wanted it to be a little bit controversial because it gets people's attention and then when they read, they'll understand what it's all about. Um, and he wants – he his main goal was to create conversation, which then creates awareness and hopefully yeah. reduces stigma. So yeah. I thought, well, that's an interesting concept and I really like it. And then I read his website and, um, and there was a particular – a um, couple of sentences that he had written and about what he saw the the three letters of TJF stood for. He said, it's always been a tongue-in-cheek saying amongst those in the job. It's not a negative thing, as some may believe. It acknowledges the fact that not every day is easy and some days are fucked. Um, and I thought that is exactly the reality of not only policing, it's true of every job, I think, yeah, but yeah. Um, it's a term that, you know, he's historically had a negative connotation to it and I like the way he sort of reframed it into acknowledgement mm. that, yeah, it can be difficult and it does take its toll, but mm. um, but don't think of it as a negative term and, you know, have a conversation about it with people. So I kind of like that. And anyway, I went away. Just before you go on. Sorry. We just need to explain to the listeners that TJF in the job um, is means, pardon me, the job's fucked. And I, I don't know if we've actually said that out loud, but just for the listeners, that is what TJF uh, represents in policing terms. So, sorry, so please go on. I just need yeah. I don't think we explained that well enough. Yep. Yeah. And I guess it's something that, you know, um, it's I kind of look at people who have perhaps got to a point where they're really perhaps unwell um, or a bit over the yep. job and, and they sort of rely on that or use that term in a way that it's a bit like, oh, I'm done with it, it's just the job's no good. And I kind of like the way Cleve reframed it. And, you know, so I went away and I, I, we sort of spoke about the idea of maybe doing something together and it was a, yeah, it was a bit of a, just one of those conversations that didn't really have a great deal of, Longer-term purpose, other than it was nice to talk about different ideas. And I was sort of, I don't know, I woke up one morning and, um, you know, I was thinking about it a fair bit, about what I wanted to do and how I was going to perhaps do something. And I came up with uh, the term, the journey forward, um, as mm. a name for perhaps a group. And I was like, that's, I like that name because it sort of re mm, further reframes, too. it further reframes yeah. TJF and, but it's like, well, we, we're happy to acknowledge that TJF is what it is and some people think that. But yeah. let's get together and have that conversation and let's think about something more positive in the journey forward mm. because mm. Um, dwelling on the past and having those negative thoughts uh, are not helpful to to healing. Um, no. no. But so we, we decided, we spoke about it and then, you know, we decided to keep the logo, which was just the three the three letters TJF with a set of handcuffs. And I kind of looked at the logo and I thought that's good because it's kind of like, you know, the journey forward breaking free from the cuffs of policing and yep. getting on with your yep. life. Or or if you want to go back to work in the police, break free from the, the issues or the concerns that mm. you have about the job and let's understand mm. how we can make it work so you can go back, enjoy your career, and actually probably potentially be a better policeman as a result. Um, so, anyway, I rang Cleve because I thought I 
if I'm going to do anything with those three letters and make it into a, a thing, I better talk to him because they're his letters. I, I kind of thought they're his letters, so I better have a chat to him. <laughs> um, yeah. So I rang him and told him my idea and he was like, yep, let's do it. And so then we procrastinated on that for ages, um, how we were going to do this thing. And then, you know, we we um, fortunately I knew a couple of ladies who owned a cafe. They worked at a, a, a place called Wellways, um, which um, I sort of did a few things for that supporting people with disability or mental health. Um, mm. And they they'd left that that job and they'd started this cafe in in um, in Carum. And I sort of had stayed a little bit loosely in touch with them. Anyway, I went and saw them and said, this is what I'm thinking of doing. And they were like, yeah, that's a great idea. And um, and the, one of the ladies there, she's a, uh, a social worker as well, and she said, right, so uh, let's book a date for when it's starting. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa hang on a minute. We're still in the process <laughs> of procrastinating here. Like, and um, she went, no, no, let's make it happen. And um, yeah. so we booked wow. a date and I said, well, let's make it in a month. She goes, oh. A month. She goes, I thought it'd be quicker than that. Um, I said, no, let's make it a month. Anyway, so sure I enough. Love it. Yeah, that was that was a really important push that she gave us. And so we set the date and we kicked off. And um uh, you know, we're we're growing. It's it's been a oh, and look, I don't want to speak on behalf of the other people who are in the group, our community's mm. growing. But I th- mm. there there's um there's people that are continuing to come back. I think they're enjoying it for what it is um you know it's not therapy it's certainly not a substitute for therapy it's not trying to be that i think it's critical that people have their their sessions with their um their their social workers or their psychologists or you know whatever Mm -hmm. person is there engaged with their psychiatrists we are simply providing a place for people to come engage with their peers talk about their experiences the way they've, you know, the things that they've done and ex- and explored to overcome the mm. challenges and and how they've mm. found that. Um, and so it's nice that we've got, you know, people who are in different stages of their journey because you kind of learn from each other. Someone who's really, you know, sort of early on will, will talk about things that perhaps resonates with someone who's a bit further along um, and, and vice versa, you know, you sort of can support someone to say, well, have you considered this? And um, you know, and, and about we have, sharing sharing information, isn't it? It, it really is. It, we, mm. It's not about yeah. giving people advice or telling them no. how to to recover or get better. It's just simply sharing information and ideas. And and you know, we're pretty strong on if you want to talk about a negative experience, that's fine, but there needs to be some purpose to it. Whether the purpose is, I'm talking about this because this is how I overcome it this yes, challenge yep. or yep. I'm having this experience um can we talk about it to see if someone else has been through mm. something similar mm. and might be able yeah. to give me some ideas to explore myself that might help me work through it and um and I think the process of going through that and looking inward allows you to or helps you to forgive yourself and then I think when you understand why your why you made decisions you made along the way, um, I think, and then you're able to forgive yourself. I think that allows you to then forgive other people for the, some of the decisions that they make. Um, because I don't think anyone intentionally goes out to make a decision that is um, really unhelpful to to somebody else. But unfortunately, like policing, when we go out and we make decisions that are really unhelpful to somebody, often. Um, so do so do our our um, so does the organisation and so do our managers. Um, but they're in, I guess it's the unintended consequences of decisions that are made that is the problem, as opposed to um, you know anybody going out there with with pure intent to make a decision that's unhelpful. I think sometimes we can just get a bit. Um overawed with all our own stuff and yeah. I think sometimes it's good to share and hear other people's and anyway so what's the uh the website and just where do you uh, meet if, yeah. if you can just um help oh and also who who is it open to is it just police members former or current or um it's yeah it's open to um former or retired Police, PSOs, PCOs, 
emergency services staff, frontline workers, and um, and all of the support staff that are you know crucial to the functioning of those organisations. Okay. Um, yep. So it's really open to, to at the moment we have. Um, veterans police veterans and we have somebody from uh from the medical fraternity who's on board Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we we meet fortnightly at a place called the the beach bar in carom and we we chose that place well part of the reason we chose that place was um probably because of its location it's kind of because i live much further south and cleve lives um over on phillip island uh mm. so we we chose a place that was a bit more central for people to come to so Karen was was a good place but I, one of the things we talked about was making an environment where we could have a space that was not medical mm. um that allowed us to have a, a, a you know an area that we could have those conversations but then also for whatever whether it was just because we wanted to or we'd finished and we wanted to socialize we could then go and have um a coffee or a beer or whatever people felt like having or something to eat Good. Uh, in yeah. a cafe that was almost like come in we'll meet we'll meet we'll have a chat we'll go and do our mm-hmm. business so to speak and then when we're mm-hmm. finished we'll go and have a little chat and a conversation and socialize and then people can leave and um mm-hmm. To take away the, I guess the you know the the medicalisation of psychological injuries um, yeah, to a degree yeah, yeah. and make it an environment that's m- uh, less less medical and more friendly and yeah, social. Yeah. And um, social. So, yeah. Yeah. So we do that fortnightly, as I said, at the beach bar in Carrum, and um, we yeah we have conversations. There's there's some weeks we might do an activity like. Um, Maybe a fortnight ago, we went and did lawn bowls. Um, so it's it's kind of about having those serious conversations in a in a fairly relaxed and yeah. fun way, yes. um, mm-hmm. and also doing some activities that are just purely social and allowing people to get out and and do things that perhaps they either haven't done before or they've done before and they've enjoyed and. Um, just see that they can do things in groups and enjoy enjoy things. So it's look, it seems to be going quite well. Um, what time? Uh, ten a.m. We have it at ten a.m. Okay. Uh, goes for usually yeah. around two hours, um, and everyone's welcome. I, I suppose the only thing we're mindful of is the group. We we kind of try to keep it. We want it to be big enough to be able to have good conversation, but not too big where people don't either get an opportunity or feel yeah. uncomfortable about speaking. So we kind of like to keep it around that ten-ish, maybe twelve at the most. And and we've got a few people now who have come on board from interstate. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So yeah. we're looking at we're in discussion at the moment. We're not we're not exactly tech savvy. Um, looking at doing something online, starting You're not an online there. Yeah, <laughs> we're looking at doing an online, starting an online group. So people who are, um, you know, either perhaps rural, um, unable to travel, don't feel confident about the travel yet, or don't want to come into that environment, yeah. or live interstate, yeah. can we can sort of um, have a conversation online and and use technology, you know, to its best advantage, I guess. Um, and then, and then, probably with those groups, what we might try to do is have a couple of events each year where where everybody can come together and okay. do something social. So that's kind okay. of where we're looking and, at heading. And the website? Uh, the website is www.thejourneyforward.com.au. And that's all one word. The all, journey yeah, forward. Yeah, the journey forward's all okay. one word. And it's mm. um, if we do activities, we ask you know we we get members to to pay like we went and did lawn bowls as i said it was five bucks and um to play um and we asked members to pay that we kind of are trying to stay away from the the traditional sort of fundraising i guess because i think there's enough people in that space yep um you know fundraising and and doing a really Mm -hmm. amazing work and generating funds to support members so we kind of just want to be looking at something that's a little bit different i suppose that no one else is doing at the moment 
um, and just come together as a group, try to keep our costs as low or minimal as possible. And, um, uh, yeah, so we've got a few ideas we're, we're looking at to try and perhaps get out to more members and do things to, I don't know, just create conversation um, and allow people to be aware that we exist and um, things like that. So I guess it's a bit of a watch that space. But, yeah, uh, at the moment it's it's really nice catching up and the um, at the at the beach bar and just having those conversations and really exploring ourselves and our, our careers and our our development as people and, and our journey beyond um, beyond the injury as opposed to beyond policing because if yeah. you know for yeah. people healing might involve going back to work and continuing their career and if we can be um, part of the support process that allows people to do that then that's fantastic. Well, I think that's, um, you know, all um, strength to you and Cleve for doing that because, as you say, I I don't think there's enough uh, support for uh, former members and particularly those who are struggling a bit. But um, thank you for everything that you're doing and that you continue to do and Cleve as well. And, um, well, well, Dave, I can say it's been enlightening. <laughs> yeah. Can and, I just uh, say one thing I, quickly before we finish? Yeah, Sorry, Nero, interrupt. But I was just thinking, yeah. like, well, I know that we've sort of talked about um, the journey forward and what we're doing, but I think something that's really important, I think, to to from my experience is I really encourage members or, or veterans to to try and um, have confidence and trust in the various um, support agencies available, whether that's police wellbeing or the association or PVV or Code 9 or Protector Protectors. They're all, everybody who who is involved in any of those aspects of support are all doing fantastic work. And I think that it's about sharing information about each other um, in a way that allows people to be aware of what's out there and to explore the options and find what works for them. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're an option, but there's a lot of options mm. and I think it's important that people explore those and take really take charge of their own well-being and, and look at all the different options and, and – um, and check them out, explore them, try them, see what works because um, I, I made a statement when I was at um, de- detective training school. I made a statement one day and it was kind of a bit of a comical statement, but I said um, even nothing is still something. So if you yeah. try something out yeah. and you feel that you've got nothing out of it, then that's something. Yeah. That's a step in the yeah. direction of your recovery. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, because you're making a decision, aren't you? You're thinking, yeah. no, that's not right for me. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I so agree. That, sorry to interrupt. Um, I just felt like I wanted to express that. Oh, no, no, and I agree. And I suppose what you're saying is that there is something for everyone. And, yes, the journey forward may not be for some. Something else may be for them. But just try something, as yeah. you said, something yeah. Is better than nothing. Yes, is that what you said? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all right, Dave. Look, thank and again, thanks for everything you're doing. And um, I'm sorry that you know your career. Well, I suppose we're both sorry, aren't we? We would have loved to have still been doing it, but it just proves where you are and where I am. It just proves that it's not the end of the world. It there isn't. is something else out there, and we have got so many skills that you don't realise you've got until you start digging and thinking, "What the hell can I do?" Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, wonderful careers, but un- unfortunately, they end prematurely. But yeah, um, yeah, I think if you can if you can work through that, and uh, there's certainly opportunities aplenty um, on the other oh, side. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, thanks. It's been an absolute pleasure, Dave. Thanks very much, Narelle. Thank you. As you probably noticed, 
we've moved to a new platform called Acast. I think that's the right expression, I've got no idea. And my previous reviews haven't transferred over. I need reviews. (laughs) Could you do me a favour and put up a review? And thank you so much for your support and patronage. With your help, I can give you that little bit extra. Thanks. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.